Can that truly be said of us? That we live more to build his name than our own. Gives us some really rich things to think about, doesn't it? <clears throat> you know, I know most of y'all probably didn't enjoy the weather today. You know what? This is the day. And every day is the day the Lord has made, is it not? And we rejoice no matter what kind of a day comes. But it's pretty cool to have one like today, isn't it? It really is. Well, I really want to uh, talk to you this morning for this cause. For this cause. And that song, really, if you, you heard it with your heart, it's kind of echoing what I want to try to communicate this morning. For this cause, the cause of Christ, living for the cause of Christ. And we all have a cause, all of us do. And you know, our, our cause is clear. And I, you know, if there's always been these uh, big old uh, boards up there with this painted on there, you know, of what our cause really is. But I'd like to restate that to make fully devoted followers of Christ. That's her cause. Not only to lead people to Jesus where they accept him, but then to make fully devoted followers. And the word disciple means a follower of Christ. And there, have you ever seen somebody do something halfway? Well, we're talking about not a halfway follower of Christ, but fully devoted, for we live more to build his name than to build our own. So our cause is clear to make fully devoted followers of Christ to build vibrant relationships. And that's with each and every one, relationship with us and God. And you know the two great commands, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So we want to build relationships with God and when with God's children. It strengthens the body of Christ. It strengthens his kingdom on this earth. And then we want to communicate God's message in a relevant way, something that people can understand and connect with. And uh, I know I've probably done this before, but I just want to kind of describe what relevance is. You know, this is kind of like uh, what happens in our life with God. There's been a, a break that has taken place. And we're always feeling empty and hollow and shallow because we can't reconnect and we're kind of out on our own. And uh, I'd like a, a volunteer. You would do great. Would you help me out for a second? Come on, Larry. Wait, wait, wait. I, I appreciate you, but I wanted, I wanted a big, burly guy. That's not an insult. That was a compliment, okay? Could you hold this just the way I hand it to you? All right, now see, this is God, and this is Larry. Is it Larry? Yes, sir. Or Curly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I like this. And see, God is always tugging us back to himself. 
And all we have to do is just reconnect. All right, now reconnect. Yes, sir. <laughs> Maybe I should have chose this little lady over here. Um, all right. Wait, let's, just have, let's make sure everybody can see. All right, all right. All right, let's connect it back. Wait a minute, let me see. You got any muscles on this side here? Look at them things there. Come on. Can you reconnect with me? Okay, now this is what happens. We try in our own strength to reconnect with God, but all you got to do is repent. Yes, turn it around. And now we're one with God. Thanks, brother. Now, what I did just now, I shared the gospel in a relevant way. That makes sense, didn't it? We just got to, when we've been broken from Christ and we've gone our own way, there is no way to connect. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father in heaven except through me, but the Bible says we need to repent. We just need to change our direction. And it's so easy to get back to God and become one with him. Does that make sense? And that's what it means when it talks about communicating God's message in a relevant way. It's like simple. It makes sense with the generation and the people you're dealing with. So this is our cause, you know, to make fully devoted followers of Christ, to build vibrant relationships with him and with the body of Christ, and then communicate this awesome, fantastic good news in exciting, dynamic, relevant ways. And if you want to do that, you can go down to Harbor Freight and buy these little powerful magnets. You know, that's all it is. Just some little magnets. So it breaks anywhere you want to break it. And it's just like you use the, the, the most simplest of terms when you're communicating with people. You put the cookies on the lowest shelf, right? So everybody can reach those things. And, and we really want to advance God's kingdom. This is a noble cause. To advance God's kingdom is a noble the most worthwhile cause there is on the planet. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 22, it says, Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Now, does your life revolve around just trying to survive? Now, it might be financially, it might be physically, it might be mentally, emotionally, whatever, but is our life, does everything about our day revolve around just trying to get through the day, just to survive? Jesus said, turning to his disciples, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food, is food important? Yes, it is. <laughs> but he said, don't worry about it. Having enough food to eat or clothes to wear. Is it important to have clothes? Yes, it is, especially in New England, you know. You think about it, it's wintertime. But some people, when you think about it, their life revolves around what they're going to eat and their life revolves around the, the newest fashion and staying, you know, a little bit ahead of the neighbors maybe or the folks at work. And some people, that's what their life revolves around. <clears throat> he says here in uh, verse 23, he says, For life consists of far more than food and clothing. 
our primary cause should be more than the pursuit of what I'm going to eat today and what I'm going to wear. But there's a lot of people that is their primary cause. That's what they live for. They genuinely do. <clears throat> a cause is the reason. A cause is the reason. It's, it's what motivates you and me to action. It's a cause that you're really living for. It's a goal. Your cause is your goal. It's your purpose that you're dedicated to no matter what, you know. It inspires you to action. You think about an athlete. An athlete has a cause. He wants to win that gold medal at the Olympics. And what do they do? They're inspired to action, are they not? They get up while you're still sleeping, and they train, 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 and they train. They make all kinds of sacrifices to their body. They eat well. They train well. They don't do things that they shouldn't do. They build themselves up. They have a cause, you see. <clears throat> and that cause inspires them to action. We think about our cause. What is our cause? Let me pick back up here in Luke 12. I'm going to pick back up at verse 24. And it says, look at the ravens. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because God feeds them. And you are not as valuable to him. What, what, wait a minute. Without my glasses, sometimes I, I don't see things as clear as I should. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can read that again. Look at the ravens. They don't need to plant <clears throat> or harvest or put food in barns because God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any bird. You believe that? And the birds don't work the way we would think by planting gardens and harvesting and storing barns. But God feeds them. And he says, don't you worry about what you're going to eat. The good Lord is going to provide one way or the other. You know, another, he's going to make provisions. You're so much more valuable to him than birds. And he says in verse 25, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not, you know. Some people's cause in life is just to worry. And I have come to believe, and I'm not teasing when I say this, some people enjoy worry. If they don't have something to worry about, they don't have nothing to talk and complain about, they're miserable, you know. You know anybody like that? Don't look at them, but I just wonder if you know anybody <laughs> like that. Okay. And he says in verse 26, and if worry can't do little things like that, you know, add to your life in some ways, and if worry can't do little things like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Is your cause in life just to worry? We are all tempted to worry, are we not? Every day we can worry about thousands of things. The devil puts those thoughts in our mind, but it's our choice whether we choose to worry or not. He goes on to say in verse 27, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are, as the lilies. Not, not dressed near as beautiful 
But God takes care of the lilies and he, he's going to take care of you. Your food and clothing, he promises to do that. Verse 28 says, And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. See, our cause is really based on faith. Verse 29 says, And, and don't worry about food. What to eat and drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. Just trust him is what he's saying. Don't worry about it. Verse 30 says, these things, these material things, dominate the thoughts of most people. The word dominate means to take over and control most people. Thinking about their food. And maybe thinking about a healthy version. But, but they're worried about it. They're consumed with it and they're controlled about that and and what they wear and is it in style or is it outdated or somebody else going to be wearing the same all the kinds of things the devil throws at us these things dominate the thoughts of most people it's their cause but your father already knows your needs verse 31 says and he will give you what's that word all you need from day to day. And there's a condition. If you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. If you make the kingdom of God your primary cause, he will give you all you need from day to day. If you make the kingdom of God your primary cause. If you'll make the kingdom of God the most important thing in your life, you will lack nothing. That's what he's telling us. And he's demonstrated it by all the birds and all the lilies and all the things he's put in this whole world. He says he values us more than those things. And then Proverbs 3, verse 6, it just says, seek his will. And half of the things that you do, oh, I'm sorry, I got daydreaming there for a moment. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. Do you need wisdom? In your life, family-wise, business-wise, help what to seek His will in all you do, and He'll direct your path. And we need Him to direct us. You know, from the moment we get here until the last breath we take, we need His direction and His guidance. So, here's a, a good question. I think it's a good question. How many primary causes can we have? Understanding that primary means the seeking first something so how many things can we seek first excuse me one God's word doesn't say you can't seek something else second or third or fourth or fifth but he tells us to seek first him and his kingdom and all the things that we have need of will be added to us if we seek him first if if we seek God and his kingdom second he does not promise to add all these things to us. We'll just work really, 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 really hard trying to get all those things and not ever totally being fulfilled and satisfied. But when you look at him first and the advancement of his kingdom, he says all this is going to be taken care of. You'll be, you'll be satisfied. You'll be full is what he's telling us. Romans chapter 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God, what he challenges us to be our cause and to seek first, is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, 
doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. Have you ever known that you should do the right thing and not do it? I'm sure we all have. But it says here, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, doing that right thing, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And joy comes from allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of us, you see. And, and when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in, He will fill us up. And the Spirit will lead us and guide us in all that honors Christ. Psalms 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is our light and our protector. He gives us grace and glory and no good thing. Would you read those three words with me? No good thing. Let's read it one more time. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right. And that's putting God in his kingdom first. No good thing will he withhold. When we got our priorities straight, no good thing will he withhold from those who do what is right. Now, where is the kingdom of God? <laughs> the kingdom is wherever the king is. Hmm. Think about that for a moment. To seek first the kingdom, all I got to do is to seek first the king. And I find the king and the kingdom. Are you conscious? Are you genuinely, consciously aware of the presence of God with you on a daily basis? Are you conscious that he is present with us? Are you aware of his presence with us? We're seeking him first. We're putting him in his kingdom first. And we're, we're always in communion with our greatest love, almighty God, and listening to what he wants us to do and doing the right thing. Think about that for a moment. When you fall in love with Jesus and really get to know him, it's just like, all I want is Jesus. And I just want more, and I want more of Jesus. It satisfies me. And he withholds no good thing from me. But when I pursue things in my own human strength, they never satisfy. It, it, I, I come up empty and hollow and shallow. John chapter 18, verse 37 says, Pilate therefore said to Jesus, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this, what's that word? For this cause I was born. And see, the king and his kingdom should be our primary concern, our primary cause. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. And the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus left his riches and glory. And if you ever got a little snapshot of heaven, it'd make living here on earth almost unbearable. I'm just saying so. And he left all that to come here because he had a cause. We'll talk about that cause in a few moments. But he says, for this cause I was born. That's to be a king, you know. And for this cause I have come into the world. Now some people's cause, what they live for, what motivates them to action is to save something. Some people are just all about saving money, you know. Some people are all about saving the whale, 
Are you familiar with that? Their cause is to save the whale. You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't save the whale, but that's not a good primary cause. Some people, they live to save the dolphins. There's a whole movement to save the dolphins. That's okay, but it's not a good primary cause. There's some people, because of the pollution and stuff in our, our oceans, are trying to save the coral reef. Their cause. All of their time and their energy and their resources goes to saving the reef. I'm not saying we shouldn't save the reef, but it's not a good primary cause. It, it really isn't. Some people are trying to save the sea turtle. You, you're, in certain places, you're not allowed to touch them. You're not allowed to get within 50 foot of a sea turtle. And some people, their cause, they, they, they eat, breathe, and think about saving sea turtles. In some more wilderness areas, we, you know, our cause is to save the spotted owl. This is all legitimate stuff I'm talking about here. Down in Florida, it's about saving the manatee. You know, these gentle, old, you know, huge creatures that live in the water, you know, kind of as, as docile as a cow. We're trying to save them. It's a cause. It is a cause. Saving the bay seals and saving the tigers. These are all causes that people live for. The brombies, which are wild horses in Australia, you know, are from Australia. People are all about a cause of saving the wetlands. It's important to save the wetlands and the, the rainforest because there are plants in the rainforest. If scientists have been given enough time, they'll discover all kinds of cures for all kinds of ailments, but they're chopping rainforests down at an alarming rate. And, and it is a cause that some people want to save the rainforest. Some people want to save the rhino. There are certain cultures and, and uh, nations that would kill a rhino in a heartbeat illegally and then saw off its horn because they believe it has these magical powers, you know, and leave the rhino, you know, to die. And don't even use any of it. They just let it die, they just take his, his horn. And some people live to save the elephants. You know, these giants, the redwoods, a lot of people live. Their cause is redwood trees. They are magnificent, but I don't think it's a good primary cause. They live to save the sound, maybe the Long Island sound, or maybe there's another sound in the area in which you live or a particular rivers or people have a cause to save a bay that's becoming polluted or to save a harbor. I mean, it just goes on and on and earth, on and on and on on this earth to save the earth, to save this the planet, to save our environment, to save the ozones, on and on and on and on it goes. But those are not good primary causes. I mean, it'd be worthwhile if we can do it, I suppose. But listen to what it says in Luke 19.10. And I, this is Jesus talking, he said, I, the Son of Man, have come to seek and save those like him. You know who like him he was referring to there? Anybody have an idea? Yeah, well, he is talking about us, but he was referring to something that just had happened there. Zacchaeus, a little short guy, you know? But he's referring to all of us. He says, and I, the Son of Man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. Jesus left his riches and glory to come to this earth, to be born as a baby, you know, 
he came here for 30 years before he did his first miracle to save the lost people he came here for people that is a noble cause that Christ came for this earth is not going to stay the way it is forever God's word already tells us that and Jesus came here because the sinfulness of man runs rampant and controls and it just tries to dominate everything Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost the stuff of this world is temporary and if you'll think about it for the most part the stuff of this world is a lost cause a lot of it is just that way God never put this earth to stay the way it is forever that is the truth of it and Jesus he lived here on this earth and he died for a cause and it was you and me it's for people and not just you and me but it's for all people he came here to seek and to save lost people why do we expend so much time energy and money for our vacation Bible adventure does anybody know what that was all about just to have fun or to get the children to come to know Christ they had a half a dozen times every night to welcome Jesus into their lives and hopefully to come to know him at a young age and they don't have to make all the mistakes a lot of adults have made right spare them a lot of that if possible Luke chapter 4 verse 18 Jesus says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has appointed me Jesus the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has appointed me to preach what good news to the poor he's appointed me <clears throat> He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. The devil tries to put us in bondage. You know, addictions and habits and fears and worries and bondage of any kind. And Jesus came to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressor. They'll be forgiven. Jesus, I have been appointed to bring this good news the people on this earth Matthew eleven twelve. it says from the days of John <coughs> the Baptist <coughs> until now <coughs> excuse me the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing if you think that God's cause is like in second place you hadn't seen behind the scenes God's kingdom has always been forcefully advancing you may not see it with your natural eye but you begin to see the evidence of everything God spoke in his word every prophecy that was delivered there you see it coming to pass perfectly on time from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing are you part of that think about it and he says and forceful men lay hold of it forceful men they live for his cause. They lay hold of it. They pray in accordance and they do the right things. And nobody may never know. And they, things start happening. Well, how'd that happen? You know, how did that sneak through? The devil would say. And he always tries to distract us. He don't want us to live for the primary, the most noble for Christ's cause for other people. The devil don't want us to live that way. John F. Kennedy in his inaugural speech in Washington, D.C., January the 20th, 1961, he said, Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, 
that we, talking about the people of the United States, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. That means freedom. That's a noble cause, is it not? But Christ has a noble cause, and that is freedom. A greater freedom than our country has strived for. It's a freedom from our sin, a freedom from the devil's control over us. And it is available. This freedom is available to every man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet. It is a noble cause to live for. 2 Timothy 2, 4, it says, And as Christ, and as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up. A better way to describe that word is entangled. Imagine nets and ropes and cords and chains and, and everything. He says, as a soldier, as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in the affairs Sounds bad already when it talks about having an affair in the affairs of life. You know what? Our son, Benjamin, he's a Marine. And you know, he, he don't have the time and the energy and the resources to have a couple of businesses on the side. They take up every waking moment of him. You know what I'm saying? And for him to be a good Marine and to fulfill what he has been trained and called to do... He can't have other stuff trying to entangle. Well, you talk to his higher rank up there. Well, I'm going to have to take a couple, a couple of days off. I've got a couple of business. need somebody to... I can't do that. Could he do his job and run a couple of things on the side? The Bible says, as a soldier, as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up, entangled in the affairs of this life. We're talking about coming becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. Fully devoted. Have you ever seen somebody who was half-hearted? Should we be half-hearted toward Christ? Half-hearted toward our, our loved ones? Half-hearted toward our career? Half-hearted never works. One more time. And as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in the affairs of this life. For when you... For then you might not, oh, I'm sorry. Then you cannot satisfy the one who has enlisted you into his army. And when you live for him, and Christ, the king and the kingdom, his kingdom, are your primary cause, all your needs will be met. All your needs will be met when he is your primary cause, not, not second. And second sounds not too bad, but Christ has it. He must be first. Peter and Andrew, if you'll remember, and all the other guys, the disciples who followed Christ, they left their boats. They left all their nets because they were captured by the cause of Christ. He said, I just leave those things behind. And he had already showed them he could catch fish. He filled up two boats in just a matter of no time. And then they walked away from it. You remember that? They walked away and they left the boats and the, 
the nets and, and all the business of that to their dad and said, Christ has called me. And he said, he's going to teach me how to fish for people. And they left it all behind. Matthew, if you'll remember, he left his very profitable business of tax collector because he was captured by Jesus' cause. It was something willing, worth living for. It was something worth dying for. You remember the rich young ruler in the Bible? You know what happened with him, don't you? He was captured by his own personal cause. And when Jesus said, hey, give some of that stuff away and, 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 and come and follow me. And the rich man smiled, turned to a frown, and he turned and he walked away. You know, he was willing to abandon nothing for Christ, for the cause of Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name the name of Jesus, and all of heaven for people to call on to save them. Jesus alone can save you. He says it in John. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. People have some pretty screwy ideas that the devil has convinced them of. Yeah, I'm going to get to heaven. God's going to weigh my good and my bad. I'm always doing good. My good's going to outweigh my bad. He's going to say, come on in, boy. Come on in, girl. Not... It don't work that way. It does not work that way. It's not based upon your good works. It's based upon living for his cause. It's based upon being a fully devoted follower of Christ. John 14, 6, it says it. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come can come to the Father except through me. There is no alternative. Romans 10, 13. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. So we got to tell all the anyones about how good God is and his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness. And you can't earn your way to heaven. It's a gift. Just got to receive it, you know. Got to receive it. First Peter chapter 18 verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. And so many people live an empty life. And it says here, you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. The Bible says we've all sinned. And it's passed from generation to generation. Do you know how sin is passed down from generation to generation? It's through the blood. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into their blood. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it's true. Your children's blood is generated from the dad. When husband and wife come together and a child is conceived, the, the, the dad is his body that generates the making of the blood in the baby. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. There was no sinful blood come from Joseph. There was no sinful blood that would have made Jesus unqualified to be the sacrifice for all mankind. Jesus' blood never mingled with mama's blood. Mary needed a savior just like everybody else does, but Jesus was totally sinless. He was the sacrificial lamb who
who died in your place and my place. And willingly, that was his cause. That's why he came. And there was no sin within him. Anyhow, that's, an, that's another whole sermon to go through all the details of that. But it says here, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. 1 Peter 1, 18. You inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious life blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And see, as we share this fantastic good news with other people, that is a noble cause to share this good news. It, it really is, you know. And when Christ's cause becomes our cause, then we're fulfilled and then we're satisfied. This is what I was made for. 2 Timothy 2.10, it says, I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chose. He says, I'm willing to do anything, endure anything that I can bring salvation to the other people on this planet. He, he had a adopted Jesus' cause as his very own. He said, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chose. Mm. Now, our cause is often discovered by what we would die for. Is there anything you'd die for? Think about it for a moment. But we often discover... When we think, well, what, what am I willing to die for? My family hears me say that all the time. When we go up on a mountain, take a hike, how many hundreds of times have you heard me say, if a bear or a mountain lion comes out, you get behind me because he will be too full to eat you after he eats me. <laughs> and it's doubtful if he can eat me fast enough to prevent me from killing it. I'm just telling you, I'm willing to die for my family. And I'm willing to die for every man, woman, boy, girl in this room. Was Christ willing to die for you? What are we willing to die for? Whose cause do we live for? Think about that. Whose cause? Now, a difficult discipline of the Christian life is assigning priorities. It's keeping the main thing the main thing. All right? We, we get our priorities right, okay? We're challenged. Our priorities are right. And we're looking to Christ. And we're going through our day, and then someone, hey, buddy. Yeah? Oh, uh, what? What is it? Huh? And we find ourselves going in the opposite way. You ever get distracted? Excuse me just a moment. You ever get distracted? Oh, there's a bird. we got to keep the main thing the main thing. We're talking about living for his cause. Just another verse or so. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, that's you and me, I have been given complete. What percentage is complete? 100%. I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has complete authority. Verse 19 says, Therefore, talking to his disciples, his followers, that's you and me. 
Therefore, because I've been given complete authority in heaven and earth, you go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Baptism is an object lesson. It's like my brown paper bag that I don't have out here right now. But baptism is an object lesson. We're acting out what has happened. I've died to my old sinful nature. When you die, they bury you. You go under the water. When you come up out of the water, it's like when Jesus rose from the dead. You've, you and I have tapped into a brand new life. So he says, you go. I, I authorize you. And there is no authority higher than mine. He says, go and make disciples, fully devoted followers of Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey. 75% of the things I've given you. No, fully devoted. Teach them all the things that I've given you. And the best way to make a fully devoted follower of Christ is to be a fully devoted follower of Christ yourself. Can't be that, you know. And be sure of this. He says this in verse 20, Matthew 28, 20. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think I'm going to read you one more verse, okay? But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. This is his authority, his challenge, his call to you and to me. But you should keep a clear mind. Don't let it get foggy in every situation. And don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given this ministry. You've been given a noble cause to seek and to save the lost, to share the good news with the people God brings across your path. Consider how you would share this good news with others, okay? Now think about this. Just jot a few things down. How would you share that you received a million-dollar inheritance? How would you share that with somebody? You wouldn't. Okay, all right. <laughs> I know you would. Even if you said you would not, you can't keep news like that silent for long. It's just going to bust out of you. How would you share that you're about to get married. Would you share that good news? One, one person said yes. You would throw a party and everybody come over and you'll pay for the meal and tell them all the good news. You couldn't contain yourself. How would you share the fact that you caught a huge fish? I can tell you how I do it. I got pictures of every huge fish I ever caught. And I send you pictures of fish sometimes, don't I, Kenny? And every other fisherman in here is like, look what I caught. I can't contain it. It's just like I'm still on the river with a fish in my net, and I'm sending pictures to my friends. Because I, I consider that good news. Does that make sense? And lots of times I turn the fish loose. Sometimes I turn them loose in my freezer, but sometimes it <laughs> depends. How would you share the fact that a doctor's report was wrong 
and you were 100% okay. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Woohoo, okay? How would you share that you're going to have a baby? Exactly, now you're catching on. How would you share the fact that a remedy has just been discovered that 100% cures high blood pressure, cures high cholesterol, and cures every ailment you've got. How would you share that good news with somebody? That's what I'm talking about. It's wonderful. How would you share the good news if some total stranger came into your life and paid off every debt that you owned and then gave you a big wad of cash to stick in your pocket on top of it? Okay. Now we're talking. So, how do we share the greatest news of all? That I have been forgiven for every sin I have ever committed. I have been pardoned. I have been empowered by God. I have been promised a place in heaven and have eternal life with Him and that my life is worth living. How would we go about sharing that in a creative way? Would we? Yes! Let's do it! Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Okay, I just got a couple of things here. If I can even see this page, you know. I didn't get a chance to get it in my notes, so I got to put my glasses on for real to see this. Let's see. Let me find it. Someone said, I cared not where or how I lived or what hardship I went through so that I could but gain souls for Christ. While I was asleep, I dreamed of these things. And when I was awake, the first thing I thought of was this great work, David Brainerd. He's a, a very godly young man who lived in New England who shared the gospel with a lot of people, and he died at a very young age. John Knox said, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. John Hyde, known as the praying Hyde, a godly man, said, Father, give me these souls or I die. God, the sin of this city is breaking my heart. So said Samuel Hadley about New York City. George Whitfield said, Lord, give me souls or take my soul. Give me Lisu converts and I can truly say I will be happy even in a pigsty. J.O. Frazier, missionary to the people of China. Here, let me burn out for God. Henry Martin on the shores of India. David Livingston, I must open a way to the interior. Talking about of Africa or perish. Hudson Taylor said, I feel as if I could not live if something is not done for Christ. I am very tired but must go on. A fire is in my bones. Oh God, what can I say? Souls, 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 my heart hungers for souls. General William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. I would rather win souls than be the greatest king or emperor on earth. I would rather win souls than be the greatest general that ever commanded an army. I would rather win souls than be the greatest poet, novelist, or literary man who ever walked the earth. My one ambition in life is to win as many souls as possible. R.A. Torrey, great man of God. 
It just goes on and on and on. What about you? What's your cause? What are you willing to live for? But even more so, what are you willing to die for? That's the question of the hour. And I just want to play you a song. I just want to play you a song and let you hear it. And hopefully you grasp what he's saying. There's a lot of people and a lot of professions who's been willing to die for you. You know, who are we willing to die for? What are we willing to die for? Let's listen to this song, and then I'll close with prayer. He was begging at the mini mart. Who'd have guessed he had a purple heart? Scars underneath his bearded chin. I bet you don't remember him. Cause you were running 20 minutes late. And he was only getting in your way. But when you brushed by that wounded soul last Thursday afternoon, you met somebody who would die for you. The phone rang at eight last night. Who'd call it such a crazy time Getting kids into bath and bed I can't talk about all you said All he wanted was a Saturday Morning conversation down at Baker's Cafe You weren't thinking when you told your dad Try back in a week or two That you heard somebody who would die for you Just another Colorado day Morning practice for high school play From out of nowhere the bullets came fast They shattered more than the library glass They asked her if she believed in your name And she didn't even hesitate God, I can't help but wondering If I'd been in her shoes Would I be somebody who would die?
we think about it, our law enforcement, our firemen, our military, many of us have family there, and they're willing to die for you. They don't want to, but if it's called upon, they would die for you and doing what they've been called to do. Jesus willingly came and died for you. So your sins can be forgiven. So you can live with him in heaven one day. And I really think we should take up his cause and be willing to live for him and die. Sometimes just to our own selfish ambitions, our own goals and our own causes when we put him in third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh place. Even second place is not the best. We seek him first. He who is willing to die for us, who is alive now, we willing to die to our own selfish ambitions that we might live for his cause, that we might make a difference with our life, that we might make our lives count. There's a lot of people who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. And we're not necessarily called upon to give up our blood, to give our life. We may, but to just to die to ourselves, that we can live for him and live for his noble cause. Well, our time is getting away from us here. I'd ask you to join me just in a word of prayer. We could bow our heads together. Father, I ask that you would just move upon the men and the women in this room, in this building, who are watching online, that you would move upon us and that we would recognize how empty life is if we're not living for your noble cause, to seeking to save the lost. It's not the preacher's job. It's all believers' job. It's all the believers' privilege to share the fantastic, awesome, wonderful good news with those in our sphere of influence. Thank you, Father. Bless these men and women. Encourage them. Pour your power and authority in the person of your Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us that we might live for your noble cause. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you to reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who are here Watching online, if you would join us and maybe declare your faith in him for the very first time, would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And I believe you sent your son Jesus, who willingly gave his life to save mine. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior. I want to take up your noble cause. Show me the way. In Jesus' name.